Part one of session 23, we're going to start talking about Egypt and Ra. Let's begin. Quick refresher, as usual, we have been working on the past sessions talking about the transition between second density and third density, and then we started talking about a history relevant to uh, what it is to be third density. We have a master cycle of 75,000 years broken down into three major cycles, 25,000 years each, and we're now talking at the end of this master cycle being the last 25,000 years, and we have covered so far Atlantis, and Lemuria, those times, and now we're up to the Egyptians. Now, the Egyptians where, or the history that we get from Ra, has to do with the final cycle, those 25,000 years. And now we're going to get past Atlantis into that point where the Egyptians uh, started to become that civilization that we know of from different sources and none the least uh, Ra. So, we're going to cover that right now. We're going to start with the first question that Don has in this session, where he says, you were speaking yesterday of the first contact made by the Confederation, which occurred during our third major cycle. You stated that you appear in the skies over Egypt at the same time, approximately. Aid was first given to Atlantis. Can you tell me why you went to Egypt and your, shall we say, orientation of attitude and thinking when you first went to Egypt? Russ says, at the time which you speak, there were those who chose to worship the hawk-headed sun god, which you know as vibrational sound complex Horus. This vibrational sound complex has taken other vibrational sound complexes, the object of worship being the sun disk represented in some distortion. We were drawn to spend some time, as you would call it, scanning the peoples for a serious interest amounting to a seeking with which we might help without infringement. We found that at that time the social complex was quite self-contradictory in its so-called religious beliefs, and therefore there was not an appropriate calling for our vibration. Thus, at that time, which you know of as approximately 18,000 of your years in your past, we departed without taking action. So this is a long way to say that at the time they came here and they realized there wasn't enough calling uh, for them to try and help and they just basically left. That's all they're saying there um, from my interpretation. I know, well, they say that at the time they were worshipping Horus. Uh, it was a deity or a deity of uh, the sun as many others that have worshipped the sun in this way and that's where they were mostly drawn because as they say, uh, worshipping the sun in the way that we used to in the past kind of aligns with the law of one and Ra and others, not just Ra but others that relate to the sun in that way. So Donna's going to ask some interesting questions about this contact or this attempt to contact. And he says, you stated yesterday that you appear in the skies over Egypt at that time. Were the Egyptian entities able to see you in their skies? Ra says, this is correct. Don says, what did they see and how did this affect their attitudes? Ra says, they saw what you would speak of as a crystal-powered bell-shaped craft, 
This did not affect them due to their firm conviction that many wondrous things occurred as a normal part of a world, as you would call it, in which many, many deities had powerful control over supernatural events. So there was no relationship there between the appearance and um, the Egyptians watching it because it seems like it was a very natural phenomenon to see these things. Um, again, this is 18,000 years ago, so I'm not quite sure what are those things that they were used to seeing. I would think that due to Atlantis, um, but again, I'm thinking 18,000 years ago, Atlantis wasn't developed that technologically, so they could fly things and the Egyptians would be used to that somehow. Um, but I'm not sure what it might be. I may be missing something there. If you know anything about 18,000 years ago, within the context, for the sake of argument, of the Law of One and this material itself, let me know, because maybe I'm just uh, brain farting, as they call it, and I don't remember, but I don't know. I can't connect that. However, it's interesting to say that there's a crystal power bell-shaped craft. Uh, that's what they were using at the time. The bell-shaped craft, and I'm just going to make this notation here, is very common with the... Um, the Diglocke, the uh, the device or ship that the Nazis were um, developing back in the 1940s and is very popular. Now it seems like this was the design that would move um, the anti-gravity, if you will, uh, system around the bell shape uh, curvature of it and it would allow them to move through the physical planes in ways that could be, um, couldn't be attached by gravity or uh, space-time the way we know it. So, I don't know, just a notation there. I thought it was uh, cool that they mentioned that it was a bell-shaped craft, but let's go back into the context of the session. And Don says, did you have a reason for being visible to them rather than invisible? And Ra says, this is correct. <laughs> And Don says, can you tell me your reason for being visible to them? And Ra says, we allowed visibility because it did not make any difference. Again, this is just reiterating the point that because the Egyptians did not care to see something more than a casual observation in the skies, it's almost like seeing a plane outside. You go and see a plane, it could be elephants uh, piloting it, and it could be all kinds of weird stuff going inside, but we just see it as a craft and say, eh, just another airplane in the sky. You move on with your life, you don't care. So that's basically why they were visible. They didn't have to cloak themselves, basically. So that's all they're saying there. Don says now, I see. Then at this time, you did not contact them. Can you answer the same questions I just asked with respect to your next attempt to contact the Egyptians? It's going to be a fun one. Ra starts and says, The next attempt was prolonged. It occurred over a period of time. The nexus or center of our efforts was a decision upon our parts that there was a sufficient calling to attempt to walk among your peoples as brothers. Before we go on with the answer in this question, I want you to bear in mind something. Ra as well as any other entity that can come, uh, let's call it legally, through the quarantine and help or aid the population, they need to be called upon. We talked about this in previous sessions, the uh, law of squares, which is not actually the law of squares. I'm going to correct myself from the last video where I said 
the law of squares is something that Ra mentioned. Ra didn't actually mention that. They just said squares, I think. And then Don used law of squares, but he wasn't corrected then, and he was corrected afterwards. So anyhow, this calling needs to be sufficient for them to manifest here or to even aid through telepathy. This has to do with the orientation of the population, the social complex. So the next attempt was prolonged. It occurred over a period of time, and they said that their efforts of decision upon our parts were a sufficient calling to attempt to walk among your peoples as brothers. So this calling had to be sufficient for them to do this. So keep this in mind because that's all they're here for. They're all here for the aid that we are asking them. Even right now, as I speak, there is a confederation and there is an Orion group. Also, many other entities, I'm sure, are listening to the call that we make depending on our direction and our polarity. So, pretty cool to know that right away. Let's go on to the next answers or part of the answer where they say, We laid this plan before the Council of Saturn offering ourselves a service-oriented wanderers of the type which land directly upon the inner planes without incarnative processes. Thus, we emerge or materialize in physical chemical complexes representing as closely as possible our natures. This effort being to appear as brothers and spend a limited amount of time as teachers of the law of one, for there was an ever stronger interest in the sun body and this vibrates in accordance with our particular distortions. Once again, they mention uh, the sun. This is why Ra in Egypt was known as the sun god as well. Because they, in their information, they say, yep, we vibrate pretty close to the sun. But that was, of course, interpreted as them being the god of the sun or the sun god. So that's why they mentioned that. Now... They also materialize here, but it wasn't incarnative in the way we know it, because as they say, they emerge here. They materialize in a physical chemical complex representing as closely as possible their nature, but also mixing with how we look. I'm not sure this is where we get the depiction of the blue avian head, uh, I believe is the ibis um, bird that they represented Ra, Horus as well. And this has to do with how they looked. So that's as far as we can take out of this. And it shows that they first had a calling. Second, they went to the Council of Saturn to get this approval. They got approved and they came here and materialized. So they started working with people. So the rest of the answer goes. We discovered that for each word we could utter, there were 30 impressions we gave by our very being, which confused those entities we'd had, we had come to serve. After a short period, we removed ourselves from these entities and spent much time attempting to understand how best to serve those to whom we had offered ourselves in love light. Not surprisingly, of course, whenever they wanted to say something, it was interpreted by many ways. And this started all the possible distortions you can imagine when given this information. So after a short period, sure enough, they removed our, uh, themselves uh, from these entities and spent much time attempting to understand how best to serve uh, in the way um, they, they offer love light. This is something that we can see even up to the 1970s when these UFO abductions 
which uh, not all of them were the dramatic ones that we see now or we have seen in mainstream media for a long time. Some of them were um, very casual and they just took people for a ride, basically, to see... Um, I forgot if it was Charlie Hickson who had this. Um, maybe those were, those were from uh, the other abduction. I'm not sure I get my names mixed. But one of them got actually a tour. We talked about it here in the Loaf One. I forgot what session either. Uh, still, I forget stuff. So I forget which sessions we're in. What, what session is it? 23, okay. <laughs> so we have that information that they are still doing this kind of abduction so they can see how best to serve the population. I guess it's like an experiment to see where we are at as a civilization and they make they take samples of people, they communicate telepathy, uh, telepathically with people, and they do this kind of intervention. But they're still trying to figure out the best way to serve this crazy humanity, is all I'm saying. So let's go back to the answer, which still have some to go. Ra says, the ones who were in contact with that geographical entity, which you know as of as Atlantis, had conceived of the potentials for healing by use of the pyramid-shaped entities. In considering this and making adjustments for the differences in the distortion complexes of the two geographical cultures, as you would call them, we went before the council again, offering this plan to the council as an aid to the healing and the longevity of those in the area you know of as Egypt. In this way, we hope to facilitate the learning process as well as offering philosophy articulating the law of one. Again, the council approved. So the big thing here that we can see is that in Atlantis, they were seeing the potentials of healing and longevity, of course, by the use of the pyramid-shaped entities. I love how they say entities to the pyramids. So what they wanted to do was do the same thing because they said, hey, listen, we had success in Atlantis with the pyramids. Let's do the same thing in Egypt. So they went to the council. They approve again. That's what they're saying here in contrast with the uh, similarity also um, or differences actually, but similarities in general of the cultures that would make this be a viable option for them to increase their longevity. Something we're gonna discover further in uh, further videos is that the Egyptians had a very short lifespan. And we're gonna find that, uh, that this was an attempt for that, to help them out with that. We've talked about longevity for a couple of videos already. If you haven't watched, go watch them because that's important to know. And I'm coming up with a video about this very soon where I'm going to connect the longevity and the, um, uh, let's say, the whole idea of how we are immature spiritual beings, let's put it that way. But we'll cover that in that video. So that's what they're trying to help here with not only the longevity, but also in teaching the law of one, which we know, of course, that was the intent of the pyramids. We know how that went, but we're going to keep talking about this. Ra has more to say. And they say, Approximately 11,000 of your years ago, we entered by thought form your, we correct this instrument, we sometimes have a difficulty due to low vitality. Approximately 8,500 years ago, having considered these concepts carefully, we return, never having left in thought to the thought form areas of your vibrational planetary complex and consider for some of your years, as you measure time, how to appropriately build these structures. I'm not gonna mention too much here, this is simple. Meanwhile, the information concerning initiation and healing by crystal was being given. 
The one known as Akhenaten was able to perceive this information without significant distortion and, for a time, moved, shall we say, heaven and earth in order to invoke the law of one and to order the priesthood of these structures in accordance to the distortion of initiation and true compassionate healing. This was not to be long-lasting. And we have just the last part of the answer here, but I just want to mention the slide before. They're talking about when this happened. Was it 11,000 years ago? They always made mistakes. I wanted to leave that there so you can see they they used to correct themselves or they would correct themselves every time they would catch themselves making a mistake. The most common mistake was the 2,600 years and the 3,600 uh, year um, that they always talked about for several uh, sessions and then they corrected themselves. They always had issue with that date for some reason. We're going to find out more why. I think it's because there was a an affluence of energies at that time and they seem to have trouble recalling that year in specific. But at any point, uh, that's what they were saying before. And they were trying to find a way to, uh, to help in this way. And then, of course, we know this uh, from previous sessions where we talk about, I think it's section, uh, session six, where we talk about this and Akhenaten as well, where um, they were trying to give this information. And Akhenaten was a very, very good instrument for this. He did what he could the best, but didn't work. And they were left with a, an elite again, problems because they as soon as this guy he wasn't even cold dead and apparently they were already recreating the structure of hierarchy and of course elite and all that stuff so that's what they were saying there we've covered this again everything that happened with law of one we humans are interesting creatures all right the last part where they say is of course at this entity's physical dissolution from your third density physical plane as we have said before our teachings became quickly perverted our structures returning once again to the use of the so-called royal or those with distortions towards power that's it that's exactly what i said uh, i cannot dead they go back to the structures of um, distortion towards power and of course the ignoring of the law of one in application for a positive polarity which it was greatly needed because the longevity of the Egyptians were very very short so that's all they got there let's go to the next question and Don says when you spoke of pyramid healing I'm assuming that the primary healing was for the mind is this correct Ra says this is partially correct. The healing, if it is to be effectuated, must be a funneling without significant distortion of the in-streamings through the spiritual complex into the tree of mind. There are parts of this mind which block energies flowing to the body complex. In each case, in each entity, the blockage may well differ. First, however, it is necessary to activate the sense of the spiritual channel or shuttle. Then, whether the blockage is from spiritual to mental, or from mental to physical, or whether it may simply be a random and purely physical trauma, healing may then be carried out. Alright, entertain myself with a little bit. Or entertain yourself with my explanation for a little bit. Healing, in this way, the way they are describing it, we have the spiritual complex, and we have the mind complex, and then the body complex, okay? So, what happens? The spiritual complex is the one that is giving undifferentiated, pure energy to our uh, complex, our mind-body-spirit complex. This is the in-streaming of the energy. 
that makes us. We are pure energy. We know that. But how does this energy manifest is the question. It has to go through the filtering of the mind. The mind being an abstract, um, say, manifestation in space-time. This mind, as it filters out and moves this information, or uh, I would say bathes out, it creates the body. So the body is a manifestation or a creature of the mind, as the Ra group said. So healing has to do, and I'll read it again, because I think is this is the most concise way I could possibly explain, or they could explain for me to explain this way, um, what is healing. They say, the healing, if it is to be effectuated, must be a funneling without significant distortion of the in-streamings through the spiritual complex into the tree of mind. First, that funneling of energy needs to be without too much distortion. Remember, we create our own distortions. We have all our distortions between spirit and mind, and that's where most of the blockages are. Um, so that needs to be without significant distortion funnel into it so that the mind, there are parts of this mind which block energies flowing to the body complex. There are parts of the mind complex that further blocks the manifestation of the body, creating illness and so on. So healing is really aligning spirit, mind, and body complex, body being the result of everything. And that's why they say uh, in the next part that it is necessary to activate the sense of the spiritual channel shuttle. Of course, you need to activate that part of the spirit to allow this energy to flow without significant distortion. But then they say, whether the blockage is from spiritual to mental, or from mental to physical, or whether it may be, this is the simple trauma that may happen in, uh, in the body itself. As when I assume is physical trauma would be breaking a bone or something to that effect. Healing may happen in a different way, not so much from the in-streaming energies, even though it may help because everything is created by mind, of course, but um, it has to be assessed that way. But healing starts just by aligning that spiritual complex or that spirit complex with the mind, the mind, the mind creating the body. So hope this makes sense. Uh, to me, it makes a lot of sense in the way I visualize it. So um, we can understand at least the mechanisms by which we know our body is manifested and of course healing takes place. So uh, I believe I covered that enough and we're gonna go to the next question. Where Don says, when you started building the Pyramid at Giza using thought, were you at that time in contact with incarnate Egyptians and did they observe this building? Great question. Ra says, at that time we were not in close contact with incarnate entities upon your plane. We were responding to a general calling of sufficient energy in that particular location to merit action. We sent thoughts to all who were seeking our information. The appearance of the pyramid was a matter of tremendous surprise. However, it was carefully designed to coincide with the incarnation of one known as a great architect. This entity was later made into a deity, in part due to this occurrence. Very cool. So at that time, they were not in contact with those uh, entities on our plane, basically the Egyptians in this way. So they were corresponding general calling of sufficient energy in that particular location to merit action. Um, the cool thing here is to know that they were sending thoughts to all those that were seeking information, but they, it seems like they created the pyramids, of course, uh, themselves, maybe would help, I'm not sure, uh, but the 
creation of the pyramid was a great surprise and it was attributed to one that we're going to find now because Don is going to ask that question. And he was a great architect. We can find uh, some more information about him. I didn't, so that would be homework for you. And leave me any comments, of course, if you find anything interesting about this entity. So that's how they did it. That's how they built the pyramids. And it was a great surprise, of course. Just imagine looking at the beauty, the majesty of the Great Pyramid of Giza, where it was limestone, white, brilliant. Like, I think they said that during the day, nobody could gaze at the pyramid because it was so bright. So it was like looking directly at the sun. Wow, what a big surprise. <laughs> oh my God. I trip on this. Okay, so Don asks, what name did they give this deity? And they said, this deity had the sound vibration complex Imhotep. That's it. That's all we got for the building of the pyramids so far. And they attributed to Imhotep, which apparently was a great architect back in the days. So... Uh, again, encouraged to go read about him. I have it myself, so maybe that's homework for me too. But that's all I got for this video. I wanted to slice it in two because even though we're going to keep talking about a little bit more Egypt, I wanted to cover the last question where they talk about South America in a different video and that great civilization there that existed, no longer exists, but we do have their ruins. It's going to be an interesting talk, so I wanted to leave that for the next video. Conclusions. There's something very important that I get from all of this, especially as we navigate third density experience and the aid of the Confederation or the aid of the Orion group as well, where they were called. What is it? We are creatures here who are supposed to learn the ways of the law of one in one way or another. If this doesn't happen, then there is a calling because we start feeling as humans or third density beings on any planet, we start feeling lost. We start feeling that there is something missing and that is that seeking of the creator. We can feel this now because our society has completely, and I mean marvelously, taken away the possibility of thinking of a creator thanks to what Alan Watts used to call the ceramic model or the automatic, fully automatic model which is science. Thanks to those two, it's really hard to connect with the creator and seeking the law of one. So what does this mean? That we're still stuck in the same seeking back then where the Confederation sent all this aid. I don't want to talk much about this, but just give you a premise of how my thinking goes is that in the 40s, and we're going to talk about this uh, a little bit in the next video, where, um, or maybe the next session, I believe, where we talk about Eisenhower, Back in the 50s, the uh, so-called ETs started contacting uh, humans in a vast way. This is because we were entering fourth density and we were completely, completely distorted into our ways here uh, on planet Earth. What does this mean? That they were trying to teach us the law of one. They were bringing the law of one just like Jesus did and many other prophets and other great uh, humans that we have had here uh, imparting these philosophies from oriental philosophies of the Tao, Zen ways and uh, the Buddhist they are all seeking or trying to answer the same questions of our nature we are at that point so my conclusion with this is to know that we 
are being helped even if we ourselves feel lost still and we think the dissolution and I want to mention too much about the control system that we have but this is something that's part of our illusion that's causing this to create an even bigger seeking of the one creator a bigger seeking of the law of one and the lessons and the teachings there that just makes us break free from our own uh, locks, anchors, ties, bonds that we have with this reality and break free to what I would call metaphysical freedom and to know that we are one with the creator, meaning that we simply are the creator in that way. So I don't want to philosophize too much here, but I just wanted to make that mention as we go through the process of watching Third Density unfold as history tells, uh, history told by Ra, that we were supposed to find this out a long time ago, and we didn't. Confederation came here to help. Pyramids, Atlantis, here you go. Structures, crystal powers. Do something. Boom, destroy themselves. Egypt, elites. Oh my God, what happened? So we are at the, at the cusp of this. We're at the end of the cycle. And we need to find our ways, our own ways. It doesn't have to be through the raw material or the law of one. No matter what you believe, just keep believing that there's something not out there only helping us, but there's something inside you that is trying to flourish as well. And there is a big, big mission there for you. All right, that's it. That's all I got. That's all I can philosophize with this. Hope you enjoy this part. I enjoy it a lot because it makes me see history in a way that it makes sense to me and it kind of empowers me to be who I am. So with that, I'll see you in part two of session 23. Thank you so much for watching. If this is the first time you're watching this, please subscribe, of course, like if you want it or dislike if you didn't like it. I'll see you in the next video.